0: Bill O'Reilly whom the entire world knows he's my guest and he's my friend and he's probably civilization's best selling author alive what with his killing best seller books killing lincoln killing patton killing marilyn killing jesus we now have a quickie station to hear him bill o'reilly's new one killing the killers can you tell me Why this is such a tough book, Bill.
1: Well, the subtitle, I think, tells it all. It's Killing the Killers, a Secret War Against Terrorists. And um, after 9-11, the United States government basically declared war on terrorism. Everybody will remember that. But then uh, they went silent. And uh, the campaign, the military campaign, to wipe out Islamic terrorism, is top secret. It's classified. So nobody really knows what's happening. You hear when a major terrorist gets killed, but you don't know how it happened and all of that. And that is what killing the killers is all about. We've got a bunch of classified information. We put it in the book. I'll probably go to prison for it. But I think the American people need to know how this war is being waged in their name.
0: Okay. But the stuff we've all read before, all of your fabulous killing books was all past tense. This is happening right now and could be happening again next week. That is going to make us all very, very nervous. Are you not aware of that? Well, I don't
1: care. I mean, it's on my job (laughs) as a historian slash journalist. If people are nervous, my job is to tell the truth. And this book, Killing the Killers, is the best reporting I've ever done in my entire 46-year career. So we were able to get classified information, as I just said, and weave a narrative about how the United States, with the help of Britain and France and other countries, tracks down and assassinates these Islamic terrorists. It's harrowing, I, I admit it. Um, When you read it, you're going to go, am I reading fiction? You're not reading fiction. This is true. And it's going on, as as you just said, Cindy, even as we speak, because these Islamic terrorists would love to attack us again. They'd love nothing more than to do that.
0: This is stuff about beheadings. How do you get such details? I know you're not going to tell me exactly, but tell me approximately. How do you get that? Well—
1: What happens is when civilians are murdered, like Daniel Pearl in Pakistan, and we write extensively about Kayla Muller, a young uh, American relief worker who was based in Turkey, got kidnapped and killed in Syria. When that happens, the United States government tracks down the murderers and captures them Um, And then the murderers, in turn, tell the American authorities what happened and how it happened. That all goes into classified information. Well, we were able to get through that classification and find out what the American internal services uh, got from their interrogations of the jihadists. And so it's not an eyewitness report, but it's a report from the battlefield. The people who who witnessed it uh, told under duress American authorities what happened.
0: The centerpiece is Kayla Muller. She is the young girl who you just spoke about. Tell us that story. It's chilling, it's killing, and it's frightening.
1: Yes. Okay, so Kayla was uh, a young girl who wanted to do good, and she uh, graduated college in Arizona. Where her parents live in the Phoenix area. And she uh, went to Turkey to work with Kurdish refugees and other people who have fled to Turkey because of Middle East violence. So while there, she had the opportunity to go into Syria, where ISIS is. All right, to this day, ISIS is in Syria because there's really no effective Syrian government in the northern part of that country. Yeah. So ISIS roams around. So Kayla foolishly took that opportunity, drove across the Turkish border, went down to a town in Syria um, with her boyfriend, who was also a relief worker. And they were uh, ostensibly helping out Doctors Without Borders, another charity group. Well, as soon as ISIS sees an American, her boyfriend was not an American, he was a Muslim, um, they will kidnap you. Well, it, right now, if you go to Syria and you walk around in northern Syria, you'll be kidnapped because ISIS needs money and they hold Americans for ransom. And that's what happened to Kayla.
0: It's so, difficult to have this conversation with her parents. I know that you spoke to them actually. How, how did you accomplish that?
1: Well, I, you know, we knew from local news reports. Um, about Kayla's parents and where they are, and I contacted them, and they know me from television, and they trust me. So I was lucky there. Um, and I said, look, I want to tell your daughter's story, but I need you to give me letters and emails and everything from her that she had sent you. And ISIS was in direct contact with the Mullers because that's how the ransom demands were made. Yeah. So ISIS contacted the Mullers through email and said, you need to pay millions of dollars or your daughter's going to get murdered.
0: Seven million.
1: Yeah. And so we got all that. All right. So the Mueller family was kind enough to give us that and, uh, because they knew that I was trying to stop this, number one. And number two, I wanted their daughter to be known. You know, people forget about this kind of stuff. And al-Baghdadi, the ISIS leader, he had direct control over Kayla Mueller, And so we tell that story. And it is harrowing. There's no doubt about it. It's awful. But it needs to be told.
0: In in this new book, Killing the Killers, what did her parents say if you allowed them to read this book before it came out? It's not coming out until May. But did they read it in advance?
1: Yes. They've read it. They've read the book. Um, and I have an email from Mrs. Muller saying that she's uh, very happy with it. And um, that's the highest compliment I could get.
0: You didn't speak to her personally, did you? I email.
1: You know, I don't yeah. want to be a true. I did. Oh, yes, I did for the research of the book. Of course, I had to convince both parents to cooperate with us. Um, and, uh, you know, now we sent her the book. As we sent the book to you and they read it and they are uh, very, very happy with the way we've reported the situation. And that means everything to me.
0: Tell me about the emails and the correspondence that they allowed you to see.
1: It's sadistic. I mean, these ISIS killers, I mean, it's sadistic. They're telling them. Uh, you know, what they're going to do to Kayla. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen. And, I mean, it's really sick. This is a, this crew is beyond redemption. And they, in my opinion, they're getting what they deserve, which is a gory death. I mean, we're tracking these guys down. And there's it's not like come out with your hands up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I do know. Are you going to go further and doing something like killing America? Are you going to do something like that next?
1: No, my next book um, will be on, I know. you know what it is. I <laughs> yes. Don't tell anybody yet because we don't want the, every time I tell too early, then someone tries to steal the idea.
0: No, I won't talk about it. But we it's will about do it.
1: contemporary culture, but it's not a political book.
0: Tell me, I, although I know it, but not the audience does, if you've done so many of the killing books, How do you decide on a subject?
1: It's all me. I mean, you know, I run my own shop on television, radio, and in books. So I like to write about things that I want to learn about. So if I don't know a subject very well, like I wanted to know everything about Abraham Lincoln. That was the first killing book. And that is the best-selling of all 11, Killing Lincoln. And I wanted to know the historical Jesus, not the... Not the Bible Jesus, but what really happened there. And so that's how I picked my my subjects. And in my town on Long Island, Manhasset, where I live, uh, scores of people were killed on 9-11. And I know those people. I've watched the children grow up without parents. And so it was very personal to me to find out what the U.S. government is trying to do to right this grievous wrong. And that's why I wrote Killing the Killers.
0: I have a feeling that this might have been the most painful of all the reporting jobs, because this is currently in progress now. This is not writing about something that happened hundreds of years ago. This is now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's more personal, but it wasn't painful because I'm glad this is happening. Not, of course, the ISIS murders and the Al-Qaeda murders. That's heinous and horrible but I'm glad that our country is taking action against these people because all they want to do is kill infidels. That's all they live for. So they shouldn't live because they're going to do it again and again and again and again. And our government is taking very strong action against them. So when people read Killing the Killers, I think there's going to be a bit of satisfaction in the book.
0: Okay. How, look, I write for a living, but how do you write this? Is it on computer? Do you talk it to someone? How do you do it when you're doing such tough subjects?
1: Okay. So I have a co-author, Martin Dugard, who is the primary researcher on the books. Yeah. And what he does is I give him an outline of the book. All right? So this is how we're going to start. This is gonna, how we're going to end. This is what we want to find out. That's the first thing that happens. It's called an outline. All right. And then Marty and I, he lives in Orange County, California. So we get on the phone talking. We don't email very much. Speaking is better when you're a writer because ideas pop into your head while you're in a conversation. Um, So we go chapter by chapter. This is how we're going to open. So we open Killing the Killers with Bin Laden. What really happened and how it happened. And then he does the research. He puts it in narrative form, which means he writes sentences about the research, and then I craft it into a story, a narrative, a storyline, and that's how we do
0: it. Okay, maybe it would appear to me this has been, of all your books, a most painful reporting job. Am I not right?
1: Yeah, I mean it's painful in the sense that it's it's so bad. Now, yeah. I've covered four wars, so I've seen death, and I mean, I mean, I know what it is. But, you know, to have young people captured and then their heads cut off and Kayla was raped, and I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. Okay. It just doesn't get worse than that.
0: What are you doing about the awards?
1: Well, I should write a book called Killing the Oscar, but I'm not going to do that. But I'm interested in in pop culture, which is your specialty. You've known, you know, every entertainer since Al Jolson, I believe. I mean, you've read about them and all of that. Well, we in the United States now in the year 2022 are witnessing a collapse of Hollywood. And and Hollywood is not only an entertainment vehicle for Americans, it defines American culture all over the world. So people in Africa and South America, South Pacific, they know America through movies. It's always been that way. And now Hollywood has killed itself. So we have the upcoming uh, Academy Awards in April. Be the lowest watch. Nobody's going to watch it. I think Amy Schumer is the host and two other women, accomplished women. But it doesn't matter. Nobody wants the job. Nobody wants to host the Oscars. I mean, it used to be Bob Hope and Johnny Carson and, you know, big, big celebrities. And that, that was the plum job. Now, I mean, you, you can't even give it to Eminem. Nobody wants it. So you've got to ask yourself, why? What has happened in Hollywood? Now, as you know, I'm the executive producer of four movies, all right? Killing Lincoln, killing Jesus, killing Kennedy, and killing Reagan. So I know the Hollywood world. I know how it works. It's nasty. It's always been nasty. Um, very competitive, very tough. But the product used to be really, really good. I look forward to going to movies. I haven't been to the movies, Cindy. Cindy in a theater since the james bond thing came out and i hated it
0: yeah i know and i'm a big james bond fan they have totally you ev- neutered
1: james bond he's woke i don't want a woke james bond okay and that epitomizes what has happened in hollywood it's now controlled by virtue signalers cancel culture people who are basically putting on a line of garbage. Do you remember what the best picture of the year last year was? Do you no. remember?
0: No, I can't remember anything.
1: Okay. Nomad Land.
0: Listen, it was lousy. How dare yes, they I do this? It? it was the awful, most terrible movie. It was garbage. Let me ask you something besides garbage. Have you ever attended an Oscar party?
1: Yes, I attended the Vanity Fair party 10 years ago or something like that.
0: Yeah, well, they all were walking around with getting drunk and showing their Oscars, and Meryl Streep left hers once in the ladies' room after she peed. She peed and walked (laughs) out and left the Oscar damp wherever it was. I mean, that's how much she cared about it. So, yeah, when I
1: was at the party, they were all on their best behavior when I was around because they know it's me. And I don't like those Hollywood phonies anyway. I only went to the party because a friend of mine invited me, and then I could get about five or six stories out of the party. Um, but three of the four movies that we produced were nominated for Emmys. So I did go to that Emmy show and uh, the p- couple of parties afterwards. So I know this world. I know it. Um, And a lot of people really love it and they're fascinated by it. That's how you make a living. You tell people about the rich and famous. To me, it's just work. It's an industry, but an industry in tremendous decline.
0: Methuselah? lived 900 years, that was like three weeks before me, but he lived 900 years. He could have lasted another weekend, and still his life would have been shorter than the Oscars. They have gone longer and longer every year. What are they going to do, in your view, this year?
1: Nobody will see it, but they've cut down a lot of the awards, like a best screenwriter for a foreign film made in Albania. They're not going to have that. They're going to give those awards ahead of time and try to get to the awards that people care about, but nobody cares about any of these movies. So it's going to be a disaster. And, you know, that's what's going to happen, no doubt.
0: There was a man a long time ago called Jules Stein who wrote a movie called Three Coins in the Fountain. Trevi Fountain. He said at the time, it wasn't terrific, and yet, he said, I won the Oscar. Awards, he actually said, are dishonest. Do you believe that?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of politics in all these awards. So we're living in a woke, inclusive age now, and you'll see that in the Oscars. Um, What did ABC uh, TV come out and say, hey, we got a bunch of good scripts by white guys, but we're not going to run them because we don't want – People to submit scripts that they're Caucasian. I mean, that's what they got. At least ABC admitted it. Uh, Listen, but that's what you're looking at. And, not... and so at this point, it's like the Olympics, you know? It was a huge bomb. Nobody watched. That's what's going to happen to the Academy Awards this year.
0: Well, the hearings have now fallen lower than Jennifer Lopez's bra. Nobody actually watches this stuff no. anymore at no. all. I at, Well, I once wrote a piece— that said that the Oscars have have just had 28% of the votes. And Ben Affleck said you can win with just a very small, tiny percent of the votes. What is it? Are they drunk? Are they people that don't care? Is it now they only want Hungarians with one leg to get awards? Is that it? They have blacks, they have whites, they have people who can't walk. They're going to divide it. Is that what's going to happen?
1: Well, look, it's um, whatever is trendy in Hollywood. That's what you see in the award programs. And, you know, it's not like discipline or what the best skill set is in the film and who's the best actor it's not like that anymore. Um, it's like, OK, I want to go to this restaurant and I want people to think that I'm very liberal and very woke. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's uh, it's group think out there. I mean, if you're a conservative individual in Hollywood, you better not say anything. Or you're not going to work. I, I mean, a lot of my friends, they go, look, I can't say anything. If you're a Trump supporter and they find out about it, they being the agents and the people who produce films and TV shows, you won't get hired. Okay, so
0: what is going to be the future? Is it because of Netflix and streaming? Is that what it is, or is it that we have gotten tired of what they're producing? What is the reason why nobody cares about this any longer?
1: Because the product isn't any good. So they don't make movies. It's a cliche. They don't make them like they used to. But it's true. If you watch Turner Classic movies, and I do, um, the films back then, I just watched Guess Who's Coming to Dinner uh, with Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. I mean, and Sidney Poitier, it was an amazing film. They were, and then I'm trying to think, is there anybody these days who can act like that, put together no, a film no, like that?
0: No, 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 nor do they care. Everything has to be very careful. But who cares about Even the people now. There are too many non-attended movies. And who goes out to a movie theater? You just sit home and you eat popcorn and you watch some dreck that is on television. What is happening to our entertainment industry? Is that what you're going to be writing about?
1: Well, look, if there's a good movie out and you can't get it on streaming, you'll go to the theater. I mean, there are movies that that attract people in, but there's so few good ones. Look at the ones this year that are nominated for best picture. I, I mean, awful. you They're know, awful. Of some Belfast, of them are awful. Some yeah, of them outside are awful. of Belfast, the Branagh movie, which is good. I mean, the rest of them, is the, the dog thing in the Old West, I'm going, well, what, what, is it? what is this
0: now? I, you know, come on. I know, I know. Oh. Do you remember when Warren Beatty gave it to the wrong people and the wrong film, idiot that he is, he handed the Oscar to the wrong people? Did you ever watch that one?
1: Yes, I remember Warren doing that, yeah.
0: Yes, and then there was once John Travolta said, now he's giving it to Adele Dazeem. That right. was supposed Good. to be Idina Menzel. Are they drunk? <laughs> Are they on? The Golden Globes is also gone. Why is that gone?
1: Because that was corrupt.
0: I well, mean, so they, uh, yeah. There was a
1: lot of behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff going on there. I understand. Yes. Um, okay. But, look, in, in, in any enterprise, whether it's Cindy Adams' column or Bill O'Reilly doing – the news on BillOReilly.com or writing a killing book, if the product is not good, people aren't going to consume it. It's not difficult. It's amazing that these movies even get made because they're so tedious. And they never end. They run like four hours now, right? I mean, uh, come on.
0: And every, every scene, they're killing their blood. There, there's a knife, there's a gun, there's a bomb, there's dynamite. Yeah, there's no nice... The Chinese sweet...
1: and Pakistani ha- audiences, because that's <laughs> where they make the money, overseas. And if you don't blow somebody up every 35 seconds overseas, they won't go. They want to see, you know, it's like 35 seconds. All right, blow somebody else up. That's, that's what fair. the audience wants. So that's what they get.
0: Okay, well, I have a feeling that maybe if they put the bathrooms closer to the stage, we might have a shot at sitting through these awful Oscars. And are you going to write about exactly what in the next book that I'm not supposed to know on the air, but I'm asking?
1: It's a fascinating culture look at uh, some individuals that everybody knows.
0: Yeah. And I mean,
1: everybody knows. And what their lives were really like. And um, it's a killing book because all of them died in a way that you would not want to die. And um, very fascinating. You're going to love it.
0: Okay. And I love you. And I think it's your turn to take me to dinner.
1: All All right. right. (laughs) Anywhere you want. That's the kind of guy I am.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Willie. I love you dearly. And I love your book, Killing the Killers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, baby.
1: You're welcome, Cindy. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.